How many of you guys have heard the phrase, spirit of the age? Raise your hand. You ever heard that phrase? Okay, it's kind of something that isn't used as much anymore. Uh, but for a long time, if people wanted to refer to the cultural mindset, the popular mindset, uh, kind of the morality of the age, they would, they would use the phrase spirit of the age. And it refers to this, uh, this sort of moral understanding and this shared value set in a given society that if you're not careful, if you're a disciple of Jesus, can lull you to sleep in terms of what you should be doing with your life. And a good single word to describe that is just mindset. Just mindset. And you guys may or may not be aware of it, but your generation has a mindset, some commonly shared values and commonly shared ways of viewing the world and understanding your place in it that is a lot different than any generation that has ever come previously. And that's because the world is much different today than maybe it was 2,000 years ago or 1,000 years ago or 500 years ago or even 25 years ago. We've experienced some pretty major shifts. And we have experts and academics and sociologists and social scientists that have done a lot of study on your generation known as the millennials. And what they have found is you guys struggle with narcissism and selfishness in a way that no other generation ever has in the history of the world. I've got some numbers here for you. The incidence of narcissistic personality disorder, nearly three times as high today for people in their 20s as for those 65 or older. Over 60% of you guys um, that are college students score higher on a narcissism scale today than you did 30 years ago. 40% of millennials today believe that they should get a promotion in the workforce every two years regardless of their job performance. Whether they're doing a good job or not, they just need a promotion. Um, the National Study of Youth and Religion found that the guiding morality of over 60% of millennials today is that they believe that in any situation, they'll simply know what's best. They can just do whatever feels right and it's gonna be the right thing because they're that smart. And you may not be aware of this, but there are 80 million millennials just in the United States today. That is the largest segment, uh, age group, uh, that's one segment of the population that has ever existed in the U.S. And it's not just you guys, this is other countries as well. And so you guys in your generation wield massive influence on the direction and the mindset that our country is gonna take, but not only our country here in the US, because of the internet and because of Hollywood and because of the exportation of Western culture to other countries, not only does the way you think affect our country, you're affecting every other developed country in the world because other millennials in other countries are looking to you guys to learn how to be hip and how to be cool and how to think. And so there's not only a problem with selfishness and narcissism in the US, there's a problem with selfishness and narcissism in China, Japan, India, every other country that has access to the internet and could sit around watching stupid cat videos and arguing about whether the earth is flat or not, right? <laughs> 
Not that anybody would argue about those kinds of things on the van right here, um, or anything like that. Who was that, by the way? Don't, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Um, and what used to simply, and guys, I'm not trying to be crass, but um, the attitudes that are just normal for you guys honestly used to be kind of a spoiled rich kid mentality. When I was growing up, it was just these spoiled rich kids that acted like what is kind of normal now. And what, what studies have shown, though, is that this spoiled rich kid mentality is even more present in among millennials that are on the poor end of the spectrum, there are higher rates of narcissism, higher rates of technology addiction, higher rates of materialism among poorer millennials than even the rich ones nowadays. And this is what is normal. And guys, this wasn't all your fault. This was partially your parents' fault. Back when I was growing up, I went to public schools for a lot of those years. And, and uh, did anybody in here ever remember Do So the Dolphin? Nobody remember. I know y'all remember McGruff, the crime-fighting dog, the voice of whom went to jail on a drug charge a couple of years ago. I don't know if you knew that. Um, do so the dolphin, when I was growing up, was this little hand puppet that they would bring into the public schools, and they would teach you with do so the dolphin, you're special, you're, you're, you just need to believe in yourself, uh, you need to have good self-esteem, like all these things. The, the overarching... Uh, expert opinion for years was if we want kids to be successful in life, we need to instill good self-esteem within them. This is the message that your parents heard their whole life, is if you want your kids to be accept, uh, successful in life, they need to know they're special, they need to know that uh, they can do whatever they put their mind to, they need to know all these things, they, they need to have great self-esteem. And now, fast forward 30 years... What academics are saying now is that none of that is true. If you just focus on the self-esteem of kids and tell them their whole life, you're special, you can do whatever you put your mind to, you deserve it, blah, 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 you don't get healthy adults, you get spoiled brats. And I'm not trying to be mean, guys, but you guys are entitled, you guys are spoiled, you guys generationally think you deserve a lot that you don't. You think you can do a lot of things you can't sometimes, and it's unhealthy. But it's not all your fault. But what is normal, the point I want you to see, is the common mindset of your age is that of inherent selfishness and narcissism. That is the common overarching mindset of your age. The common mindset of your age says, I should be completely free to do whatever I want to do because I am special. That sums up this generation, nearly globally in the developed world. I should be free to do whatever I want to do because I am special. But let me ask you a question. What should your mindset be if you want to have the best life you can have? Let me show you something. Let's shift gears here for just a moment.
I want you to think about, for just a moment, a man who for 30 years spent his life spreading the gospel in the ancient world. 30 years! This man went from town to town preaching the gospel. And do you think this was easy work? No. This man was thrown in prison multiple times. This man was flogged multiple times. This man was exposed to death again and again. This man was beaten five times by the Jews with 39 lashes. Three times he was beaten with rods. One time a mob got tired of him and they drug him outside of a city and pelted him with stones until they thought he was dead. Three times he was shipwrecked. Constantly he traveled for years through country that was, there was a legitimate fear and danger of being robbed by bandits and killed by bandits. He traveled 30 years around that country. He was in danger not only by bandits, by Jews who hated him and hated his message and didn't believe in Jesus and were out to kill him for 30 years. Not only Jews, Gentiles also found him annoying and they wanted him to shut up. And if you don't know what a Gentile is, it's anybody that's not a Jew, so it's pretty inclusive. This guy was da in danger all the time. It didn't matter if he was in the country. It didn't matter if he was in the city. If it, it didn't matter if he was out on the sea. He was in danger all the time. He went without sleep. He went without food. He went without heat. He went without proper clothing. And then 30 years into his ministry, he finds himself in these, in chains. And these chains are connected to two brawny Roman soldiers. He couldn't even get up and go to the bathroom on his own. Because they wanted him to sit down and shut up. Now, I don't know about you, but if it was me, I wouldn't have made it the first 30 years to begin with, but let's say that I had. Let's say in some crazy instance, I made it 30 years putting up with what this guy put up with, and then I found myself in chains. You want to know what? I would probably say, man, it's time to retire. I put my time in. There are a lot of churches around that wouldn't be around if I hadn't done what I've done. I've done enough. It's time to retire. Hey, Romans, I'm going to retire. Can we take these off? I want to go walk on the beach and collect seashells. God will be all right with that. Is that what this guy did? He could have made all this go away if he would have just shut up. It's not what he did. Pen in hand, he's writing the book of Philippians. And he says, this is bad. The situation I'm in is bad, but guess what? It's only served to advance the gospel. You see, they think I'm a captive. They think, <laughs> these Roman soldiers think that I'm a captive. Whoa, my chain's running off with my mic cord. Um, these Roman soldiers don't know. I might be attached to them. But they're attached to me. 
Paul had a captive audience for the gospel. Those Roman soldiers connected to him, guess who they got connected to because of him? Jesus Christ. And guess what? They turned around and told their friends, man, this, this crazy guy, you're not going to believe this guy. You're not going to believe this message he has. Pretty soon the whole palace guard knows about Jesus. The Christians on the outside that are seeing all this go down are like, man, they put Paul in chains and we thought it was over with, but he just kept talking about Jesus. And now all these soldiers are talking about Jesus and all these Romans are talking about Jesus. Man, what excuse do we have not to go talk about Jesus? And so it encouraged the church. And Paul writes in Philippians, what they meant for bad, God meant for good. They can put these chains on me, but it's not going to stop the gospel. It's not going to stop the advancement of the kingdom. God is bigger than these chains. And the church grew and was encouraged. And Paul was happy with the chains. He even wrote in that letter, he said, you know, I'd love to die. It would be great if I died, because I know if I die, I'm going to go be with Jesus. And I'm ready for that, but I'm going to stay in these chains. Because as long as I'm in these chains, as long as I'm here, it's going to be good for you guys, writing to these Philippians. It's going to mean you grow. Guys, where is his focus? Is it on him? Paul voluntarily takes up these chains because he wasn't all about himself. And he made a tremendous impact on the time and the culture and the place in his day to the point that he's still making the impact today. You and I are still talking about him. Why? Because he was selfless, not selfish. He was about others, not about himself. He was about building the kingdom of God, not maintaining his own kingdom. He was willing to lay down everything that he had at the foot of the cross in order to give all glory and honor and praise to Jesus Christ. And his life made a difference because of it. And you know, he calls himself over and over in his letters a slave of Christ. And that word slave carries, uh, who wants to be a slave? I mean, nobody. By the way, in the New Testament, that word servant can also be translated slave. It's the same word. It's a dirty word. You refer to yourself as a slave of Christ. That's not attractive. But it's how he refers to himself over and over and over. And he wants everybody else to adopt this mindset of a slave. In fact, he says all of us are slaves. In the book of Romans, every single one of us is a slave. We're either a slave to sin, which leads to death, or we're a slave to Jesus, which leads to life. We don't have a choice in whether we're going to be a slave or not. We don't have a choice in whether we're going to wear chains or not. We do have a choice in who we're going to be chained to. Paul was very clearly chained to Jesus. And he wants all of us to be chained to him as well. That's why he writes in Philippians 2, this group of disciples who are partnering with him in carrying out the mission of Jesus, he yearns for them to adopt a unified mindset 
And he says in Philippians 2 verse 1, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, by having the same love, and by being one in spirit and of one mind. That's what's going to make him really happy. If we have this one mindset, that's Paul's goal for the communities that he's working with. He says you should have the same love. Guys, what's the greatest command in all of Scripture? Love God with everything you've got. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Later on, Jesus comes along and he says, a new command I give you. And that's the command to love one another. It's this command, the one another in that context is the church. This specific command to love the church. And then, of course, we have the Great Commission. So when I think of a common love, I think of love for God and neighbor, love for the church, and love for the lost. That is the common love, the common binding glue that holds this early community together is this common love. And having the same spirit in mind, that means we have the same mission. And Paul wants these people to be together. He wants them to be unified. Why? Precisely because we do have a mission. And, you know, for a long time, I thought Christianity was just about having my sins forgiven. I grew up uh, the son of a preacher. Uh, I had some bad stuff happen to me when I was a kid. I was sexually abused, and so uh, my parents didn't know that, and I sort of went my own way for many years, got into drug abuse and everything else. Didn't want to be in church, got dragged there because my mom and dad made me go. And I heard these messages over and over and over in church, and I gotta tell you, even though I grew up going to church, not really wanting to be there, but at least I was there, my understanding was this is just about having sins forgiven. This is just this belief system that I'm dirty and I'm bad and I need to be washed and then everything's going to be great in life. What a load of crap is what I thought. It's really, that's just a small part of it. The gospel isn't so much about you're just having your sins forgiven, guys. The gospel of Jesus is about this truth that there is a person that God created you to be and there are things that God created you to do and the only way you're going to be who you need to be and do what you need to do is by being connected to Jesus and his church. And yes, he will forgive your sins. That's part of the deal. But guys, that's a small part well, it's a big part. Uh, it's not the complete part. Let me put it that way. It's not the complete picture. And for me, as a young college student, it was a lot more attractive to become part of something much bigger than myself that was actually going to make the world a better place than it was just to have my sins forgiven and then show up for church on Sundays. 
One is very compelling and exciting and interactive, and it means that I have a place. Another is, uh, I'd rather stay home and play video games. You know what I mean? But that's the gospel, guys. There is a person that God created you to be. There are things that he has created you to do. And the only way you will become who you need to be and do what you need to do is if you are part of an active and healthy and vibrant community where everyone is trying to do that. Did you know that you need other people in addition to God? Guys, sometimes I think about God as... uh, Sometimes I think about the world that God created as sort of this living parable. And the Bible even alludes to how we can look into nature and we can pull truths out of nature that God meant for us to find if we look closely enough. I think this is why Jesus taught in parables that centered around nature much of the time because a lot of God's truth is woven into the very fabric of creation. And one of the things that I've noticed as I look at the universe and I study the sciences and I look at all these different things is there is not a single, single, single part of God's universe that is not dependent on something else. Even on the subatomic level, quantum physics doesn't work if other elements aren't present. The earth is dependent on the gravity of the sun in order to rotate at a certain uh, speed in order to make life possible. The earth is dependent on the gravity from other planets to keep asteroids from ever hitting us. Which if you ever see a news report that says an asteroid is going to hit us, it's mathematically impossible. Because of the gravity, it's like a force field. We're in a big starship enterprise and the shields never fail. That's God. The circle of life does not work if you pull one of the elements out. The whole system collapses and we all die. Take the bees out, we're in trouble. Everything is dependent on something else. I could go on and on about this. Because literally everything is dependent on something else. And then you guys come along and you say, I can do this on my own. Sure you can, because you're so special. We need one another. You need the church. There's no such thing as a Christian that doesn't have a church. This whole idea that it's me and God... Well, you ain't listening to him because he said you need to be part of the church. (laughs) You guys need the church to become who you're going to be. And guys, we have a mission. This is so important. One of the reasons Paul wants us to have this one mindset is he knows we need the church because if we don't have the church, we're not going to carry out this mission. And we can't be a good slave of Jesus on our own. We need one another. And when we join the church and we're active in this healthy community, there's this process of becoming that happens to us. Over time, you get more mature, you adopt this mindset, you adopt these values, and something happens in you. But even if you're part of the church, guys, what do you think will kill God's ability for us to be used positively by him? 
even if you're part of a healthy church, what will kill God's ability to use you positively in the world? And here's where it gets sticky. Look at this. Philippians 2, verse 3 and 4. Paul's warning to these people 2,000 years ago is to do nothing out of what? Selfish ambition and vain conceit. Do you want to know, those, those are translations in English from Greek, do you want to know what an alternate translation of that is? Selfishness and narcissism. Or pride, if you want to say it a different way. And so wait a second, what you're telling me is for the first time in the history of the world, we are more globally connected than we have ever been in history. There is a whole generation for the first time, your generation has grown up with something known as the internet that has flattened the earth culturally, not, not as matter, guys. Um, <laughs> Culturally, the earth is flat, and the number one characteristic of your generation is that what is normal for you is to be selfish and narcissistic. That's what's normal. The very things that Paul says will destroy your ability to have this life in Jesus, even if you're part of the church. Isn't that crazy? Guys, you think Satan isn't real? 95% of the stuff on the internet is, is porn. 95%, I'm not joking, that's an actual statistic. Over 95% of the data on the internet is pornography. You think he ain't active? The very things you guys are struggling with is what scriptures warn about 2,000 years ago. And guys, they struggled with this then. We struggle with it, I think. It's even worse today in a lot of ways just because of where we are as a people and the things we have access to. And guys, selfishness is just this alternative mindset to the one that God, God calls us to. It's people who are all about themselves, just seeking their own good, uh, above all else, it represents this motive of self-interest. Uh, this could express itself in rivalry, wanting to be better than others, jealousy, wanting what others have, wanting to be made much of, wanting to be special. In short, it's just thinking about you. And you want to know what the common phrase is that drives this mindset? Tell me if you've said this. I just want to be happy. You guys ever heard that? Why are you doing what you're doing in your life? Why are you making decisions this way? Why are you chasing after joy in these areas? Of, I just want to be happy. Is it a bad thing to just want to be happy? No. God created us with a yearning for certain things. Joy, fulfillment, happiness, it's one of those things we're created to crave. 
But you want to know what the lie of Satan is, guys, that we buy into? Is that we can find happiness in things outside of Jesus Christ. It's a lie. I remember when I went down to Tampa, um, a lot of you guys know the story. I was not a Christian. I was tricked into going down uh, to Tampa to hang out with this preacher by my dad. And uh, that preacher then got me, told me if I was going to stay in his house, I had to go to church. And I didn't want to, but I did. And I begrudgingly would go to church and church events. And the preacher that I was staying with, I guess I wasn't the greatest house guest. He eventually got tired of me and made me go stay with Lynn Stringfellow. Um, and so I went over and stayed with Lynn. I remember it was going to be, I think, the last Sunday that I was in town over there. I, I was there for about a month before I was going to go back home and go off to the Marines. And uh, I remember sitting Saturday night thinking to myself, I don't want to get up in the morning and go to church with these people. I think I will not set my alarm clock and I will not get out of bed and then I will blame it on them for not waking me up. This was what my plan was. And so I remember going to bed that night, not setting my alarm. I slept in. They did not come knock on my door and wake me up. I could hear them. Like I, I woke up and I could hear them getting ready for church. So I'm like, I'm going to pretend like I'm still sleeping. And so I just laid in bed, and then I showed up about lunchtime because I wanted to eat. Church was over. And I remember walking in, and they were having lunch up in the college room at the upstairs of the church. And I walk in, I walk upstairs, and I look at Lynn, and I say, hey, why didn't you wake me up for church? And he looked at me and said, I can't help somebody who's all about himself. Well... Well, all right, Mr. Bald Man. I'm going to go over here and eat my lunch, and you can sit here and be your self-righteous Christian self. And so I go sit, and I'm eating lunch, and I'm looking around at all these people, this very imperfect, goofy group that we had, thinking that I'm better than them, and these people don't have a clue, and eating my lunch, and I'm looking at the whiteboard that had written in permanent marker, die to self, up in the upper left corner. And it hits me, maybe I am all about myself. Maybe he's right. And you know, it planted a seed there, and there were other things in that trip that planted seeds that made me rethink and reassess myself and how I thought. And I realized, I just want to be happy. But the way I've gone about it is to be all about me. And I'm not happy. Maybe I should try something else. That's what opened me up to studying the scriptures initially. And I ended up becoming a Christian. And I can tell you there is a whole lot more joy in putting down selfishness and taking up the cross or taking up your chains and following Jesus than there is in ever trying to be happy on your own. Just my personal testimony. Guys, this idea of narcissism or pride is just this vain, exaggerated self-evaluation, uh, this desire for praise, this wanting to appear above others. This is you wanting to climb to the top of the mountain, not so that you can see the world, but so that the world can see you. 
in a world of Instagram and Facebook and Snapchat and all these, it's very easy to fall into this trap. And the excuse that's driving this mindset is that I'm special or I'm exceptional. And I just have to tell you guys, I don't mean to be crass. I don't mean to come across as mean, okay? But take this into the depths of your heart. You are not special. In one sense, you are. God loves you. God created you. God wants the best for you. God wants a personal relationship with you. But guys, he wants that with everybody. Who here remembers who the king of England was 200 years ago? Nobody. I don't see a single hand going up. Guys, the king of England 200 years ago by the world standards is way more important than you or I ever will be. And not a single one of you remember his name. No Google. No Google. Well, then be quiet. In 200 years, guys, no one is even going to realize you existed. That's the point that I want you to come home with. Nobody's going to remember you. Not even people in your own family, unless they go to Ancestry.com, is going to remember your name. And so I think it would be a lot more productive in life if instead of thinking we're special... We would just accept the fact that, yeah, I'm special in God's eyes and that he loves me. I'm special in my church's eyes and that they value me as an individual and care about me. But in the grand scheme of things, guys, I'm just like everybody else. I just need to put my head down and serve God and be happy and content in that. And the Bible says he's going to use some of you for for great things. He's going to use some of us for base things. Who are you to tell the potter what he does with the clay? I'm not saying we shouldn't be ambitious and try to do the very best we can. I think God loves it when we're ambitious and the ambition is centered on Him. But even if we make a tremendous impact in this generation, guys, He loves us all the same. Let's act like it. We're not special. And life's going to be a lot better if we think, man, I'm a slave of Christ. And that's the solution to this, guys. What's needed if we're going to have this one mindset that honors God more than anything else? Can you think of a slave that doesn't think of themselves humbly when it sinks in? I'm just a slave? He goes on, Philippians 3, the second part of verse 3 and verse 4. Rather, in humility... Value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. That is the solution. That is the goal. That is the way to have this mindset that's going to lead to the best life that you can have. It's humility. One time a guy was called up to heaven and he got to speak with God. And he asked God to show him what hell was like. 
And so God took this man and showed him a room. And in this room was a nicely dressed table, this big like feast that was laid out, all these really good looking things to eat, drink and just everything. And then there were these people sitting around this table and they all looked emaciated and malnourished. And some of them were bleeding and they had these scowls and these mean and evil looks on their faces. And you could tell they were all hungry. And they were taking their forks and they were jabbing it in the food and they were trying to get it to their mouth. But the thing about it is the forks were longer than their arms. And so they weren't able to turn the food and get it in their mouth. And they were fighting over the best pieces of meat. And when one would get mad at the other, he'd stab them with the fork. And they were yelling and cussing and spitting. And just, they hated each other. It was awful. And God looked at the man and he said, that's what hell is like. Let me show you what heaven looks like. He walks them around a corner. They look in a different room. It's the same layout, the same table, the same forks. But all the people around the table are plump, like me. (laughs) They are well-fed. They're happy. They're laughing. They're smiling. They're having a good time with one another. They still have the long forks that are longer than their arm. But they're picking up the food and they're feeding one another. And sometimes they miss and they get a little bit on the side of somebody's face, but they just laugh about it. And God says, that's what heaven is like. One is characterized characterized by selfishness. And self-centeredness, the other is characterized by an other-centeredness and a thinking about how I can help somebody else. One is filled with laughter and joy and enjoying one another's company. Another is filled with discord and conflict and blood. Same table, two different mindsets. Which one are you going to adopt? If you want the best life you can have, guys, not only do we need to be a slave to Jesus, we need to view ourselves as slaves to one another as well. We need to put the chains on. Jesus says in Mark 10, 42 through 45, his disciples are arguing over who is the greatest. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your what? Say it with me, church. Whoever wants to be great among you must be your slave. Does that sound attractive? And whoever wants to be first must be slave of who? Does that take some humility? Take some humility, guys. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Guys, this is what it means to be great in the kingdom of God. You're not about yourself. You're about others. It's not about you. You die. When you go into the waters of baptism, you die. 
You say, I'm dying to myself. I'm going to live for the Lord. And in humility, you live out what it means to be a servant. And guys, it can be easy after you become a Christian to lose steam and to lose motivation. How do we maintain this motivation? How do we continue moving forward and being a servant to one another and being a servant to Jesus and being a servant to the lost? Guys, we need to maintain our focus on Jesus Christ. And Paul understood this. This is why he keeps going in Philippians 2. In your relationships with one another... Have the same mindset as who? Some of you guys are asleep. Have the same mindset as who? Yes, we went to college. We can read. Awesome. The same mindset as Christ Jesus, guys. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Who models for us what it means to be humble? Who models for us what it means to be a servant? Who models for us what it means to be selfless? I stood out at the stars last night as I was praying to God. I looked up at Orion's belt and I said, the God who made the world and spoke the stars into existence made himself a human being and came into the world and allowed himself to be falsely accused, nailed to a cross, tortured to death in front of his mom, even though he could have gotten down off of it and nuked everything and everybody and would have been justified in doing so he didn't do it because he's a servant he's humble that is not just what he did that's who he is and if you're a disciple of Jesus what are you supposed to be you're supposed to be like Jesus like the Christ the anointed one who came into the world and made himself a slave for you and we can be so selfish that we can come to a retreat like this and hear these great messages and have these great people around us and these leaders who pour into our lives and all you can think about is, I can't watch Netflix because the internet's too slow. <laughs> Get over yourself. Realize that there is a much bigger picture in this world. There is a much greater mission in this world. And until you can put down your selfishness and quit being a spoiled brat, you are never going to have the life that God wants you to have. How can you look at the cross, really look at it and internalize, God did that for me, and not be changed by it? Unless you just don't believe any of that happened. And you think you're special. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a what? Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. That is the model that we have to follow. There is no room for selfishness. There is no room for narcissism. There is no room for being all about me in a world ruled by a God who teaches us to be all about others. And if he created this whole world and he designed it to function in a certain way 
and you just want to be happy, the author of everything around us says the only way that's really going to happen for you is when you get over yourself and you put these chains on, but you make sure they're connected to Jesus and not to sin. You're already in chains, but you get to choose who they're connected to. I have a little trinket I want to give you guys as you leave this morning. It's just a key ring, but it's got a little chain on it. They'll have them if you're leaving for you here at the back to pass out to you as you're going out. If you stay in here uh, for the next class, we'll give you some in here too. But I want you guys to take these, and I want you, when you see these on your keychain or in your car or on your book bag or wherever, keep it somewhere where you can see it. Put it next to your bathroom mirror. When you get up in the morning, you can look and say, that chain reminds me that I'm a slave of Jesus. That chain reminds me that it's not about me. That chain reminds me that I'm, I, I've made a commitment to the Lord. I've died to myself. It's not about me. I'm going to be about the mission of Christ today. I'm going to be about humbling myself and serving others today. Let it remind you. And let these words ring in your head. This is what Jesus says in Matthew 16. And we'll close on this. Matthew 16, verses 24 and 25. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must do what? Deny themselves and take up their cross or take up their chains and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will what? But whoever loses their life for me will find it. You want to be free? You want to be happy? You want your life to mean something? Chain yourself to Jesus Christ. Thank you guys.